0: to show a little video this morning that kind of sets the stage for what I want to talk about, uh, about um, wisdom for a, a new school year, and uh, this is kind of a, a season of transition for us, and, and this will apply to all of us in some ways, but I just want to show you a, a video that describes It's the most
1: wonderful time of the year. It's that time of year again. They're going back. Staples,
0: over 7,000 supplies at guaranteed low prices. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Staples, that was easy. Now, how many of you have children that are going to school that you just, yeah, yep. The interesting thing is my son was speaking last Sunday and he was talking about the difference the way parents respond when their kids go to college versus when their kids are still in elementary school because in college we got all these pictures of tears and the children were going, it's the most wonderful time. And the parents were crying but when they're small you might be able to understand that I recognize this morning that, that in the second service we're going to be having a far more students, but the Word of God today has something to speak to all of us. And I'm going to ask that you would turn to Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to spend just a few minutes this morning breaking down three truths that I believe that the Lord would like us to instill within our nature from His Word and this is a passage of Scripture that many of you probably have memorized. Some of you may have it on the wall of your, your homes in different fashions, but the Scripture simply says in Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body... And nourishment to your bones. Father, as we approach your word over these next few minutes, we recognize that these are merely words until your Holy Spirit begins to anoint them and brings life to them and brings an application to them within our life. And so, Father, I pray today that whether we be students or whether we be involved in the schools in some way or whether we are parents, grandparents, Whatever it may be, Lord, even if we're not students and have no connection, that the truth of your word would give us some guidelines for daily life. This we pray in Jesus' name. For those of the students that are in here this morning, and as I look around, I see that there are some of you. I want you to know something. Much of the success of this school year for you will be determined by a few things. Number one, whom you choose to spend time with. Whom you choose to spend time with. Another determination of your success will be whether or not you do your homework and get it completed on time, whether or not you're disciplined. There will be also moments of time where you will have to demonstrate the values of your life. Demonstrate the values of your life. My son who spoke here last week was a wrestler when he was in high school, and as he got to his senior year in high school, there was a girl that joined their wrestling team that was in the same weight category as he was, and the coach told him, I need you to wrestle with her every day to help get her better, and he said, Coach, it's against my value system to wrestle a girl. It's a very... It's a very rough sport. There are moves that make me very uncomfortable, so I just want you to know that I'm not going to do that. And the coach began to get very serious with him, saying, this is not a suggestion. I'm telling you that if you want to be a part of this team, you're going to have to wrestle her. And he says, then I'm going to have to quit. And the coach says, well, I don't want you to quit, but you're going to have to think about this. And every day I would come and and pick him up from school. And one day the coach told him, said, listen, Dement, Your dad's not here, and his values don't matter here. So you do what you know is right to do. My son looked at the coach and said, I don't know whatever gave you the idea that at this stage of my life I'm living by my dad's values. These are my values. And the coach says, well, what are you going to do, because there are girls on other wrestling teams, what are you going to do when you walk out on the mat and they send out a girl to wrestle against you because they know if this is the way you're going to act that they're going to do this. He says, Coach, I'll shake her hand and look at the referee and say, I forfeit. His senior year, he is in the sectional uh, finals tournament and there are four wrestlers left and one of them is a girl. And if she wins and he wins, they will meet in the finals. And the coach says to him, are you really going to do that? He says, if she wins, I'm willing to give up being the sectional champion to forfeit because I'm not going to do that to myself at this stage. She lost the match before he got there, thankfully. At his graduation banquet, his wrestling coach came and he says, I've never been to any graduation banquets of any of my wrestlers in all of the years I've coached. But he says, I came to this one, he says, because the first time that I can remember, I met a young man who has values and decided to live by them, even if it meant that it would harm him personally. As a father, that was about the greatest thing that I could ever hear. But students, teachers, parents, there's going to be a moment, at least one, during this school year where your values are going to be called into question, and you're going to have to make a determination. Will I live by my values, or will I shrink back from them and do what seems to be popular To a great degree, you can determine today what kind of school year you're going to have or what kind of a life that you're going to have based upon the Scriptures. You see, because when you boil it all down, life is about choices, and those choices determine your success and happiness. And if there was ever an area where wisdom is needed... It is for our students and it's for our teachers and administrators that are working together so that wisdom can be applied because we are living in a chaotic world where it seems as if wisdom and common sense are being thrown to the sideline. So our students that are going back to school will face tight schedules and new teachers and new friends and lots of peer pressures and they will be faced with what is right and what is wrong and what kind of advice would the Bible give to them. What kind of advice would the Bible give to you as parents or those that work with students? Because there's lots of people trying to give advice to the students today. The Bible talks about wisdom a lot. Where are you going to get your instructions from, students? Who's going to call the plays of your life? The Bible says that if you will turn to the Lord and listen to the wisdom of the Word, that He will apply that. And wisdom is described for us as a quality of having experience, knowledge, and good judgment, the quality of being wise, being sensible, or or thinking things through, or a body of knowledge and experience that develops over a period of time. The biblical sense of wisdom is this, the ability to judge correctly and to follow the best course of action. I call that the discernment of the Holy Spirit. God has given us the Holy Spirit to walk with us, to help us discern the things of life. And so let me ask you this question, every one of us. As you relive your life this past week, have you leaned more on worldly wisdom or on the seasoned wisdom of God in His Word In the things that you have done and said? The worldly wisdom is following the popular opinion of the world. Godly wisdom is following the precepts and commands of God. And God warns us that we need to understand that we cannot be both worldly and godly at the same time in James 4, 4 when he says, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. And so we look at this passage of Scripture in Proverbs and there are three things that I'd like you to jot down and there's an outline in the bulletin if you'd like to take some notes. The first is this. I will live devoted to God. I will live devoted to God. Proverbs 3, 5 says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Gives the quantification of how we are to do that. When you look and see that word trust, it speaks to us of a sense of security, something that can be relied upon. It speaks of devotion. And so when Solomon said, Trust in the Lord, he was saying, What we need to do is learn in every stage of life, in every step of life, that God can be relied upon even when we don't see him and even when we don't feel him, that he can still be trusted and his word is still true. And so he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Sometimes your trust is going to be tested when you don't feel him near. When you feel as if I'm doing this all alone, and he says, trust me anyway, I want you to know that your life is not being led by feelings, but it's being led by faith, and if you'll trust me, I'll come through for you. I was examining my own life, and I began to think over the past of my life how many bad choices that I have made as a result of choosing to follow what I felt was right without consulting God as to what his direction may be. And there are things in my life that I severely regret and just about all of them came because I never consulted the Lord, never sought His wisdom or direction. Perhaps you are the same way. And we follow through and we live in the consequences of bad decision. I want you to understand something, students. Starting each day with the idea and asking, God, today is a day you have made. I want to rejoice and be glad in it. Lead me in it and give me the wisdom to know which path you want me to take before you ever start the day gives you the ability to hear his voice when he leads you. There will be those that will surround your children at school who have made bad decisions and will try to influence them because they don't want to be lone rangers in their misery. And so God, protect them, keep them, and help them to be devoted to the Lord. For those of you who are devoted followers of Christ, and for those of the students that are in this church, here's something I want you to know. At some point this year, you're going to be forced to remove the cloak of invisibility. We are living in a day and age when it's, No longer going to be possible for children of God who are indwelled by the Holy Spirit to stay silent where they are at. There are going to come moments whether they will be challenged by an authority or challenged by their peers or just the way that our world is today that you as a child of God are going to have to take off the cloak. And some of you were saying, I just wanted to be invisible. I didn't want anybody. You're going to have to take that off and you're going to have to stand up for something. You're gonna have to speak up on behalf of the Lord and speak up on behalf of the values that God has installed within your life because he lives within you. It may be when a student asks you why you don't do what they do. It may be when you're invited to participate in something that you know goes against the values of the Lord and you say, you know what, that is in direct conflict with what I believe to be true so I will not participate in that. Students, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything is the old statement and I believe that there are coming a day this year where our students are going to have to take off the cloak of invisibility. Teachers, homeschool moms, administrators, let me also encourage you. I recognize that the pressure is immense in a very politically correct world to just try to do your job without letting your values come through but you likewise are going to have to take off the cloak of invisibility. We desperately need teachers with values to pour into our students and principals with values to pour into our students. Don't be afraid or ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are praying for you. But to live devoted to the Lord, you're going to have to take off the cloak of invisibility. Secondly, the Scripture goes on to tell us that we will live dependent upon the Lord. In verse 5, it says, And lean not on your own understanding. Now, I want you to use your imaginations today and pretend that this is a shepherd's staff. Red is my favorite color. I picked this one out specifically. But when the Scripture talks about leaning not on your own understanding, it was a, a, both a, a farming term and a political term. The farming term would be that the shepherd would be overlooking the flock and would put their staff down and and would simply lean against it and put all their weight on it, and I understood that a good shepherd could even fall asleep standing up, leaning on their staff, because it held all their weight, and they learned to trust it in the political sense. Biblically, this talked about one that was second in command somebody who was so trusted that the leader knows that they would never fail them and so they could trust them with important things and so when the scripture says and lean not on your own understanding he's saying the things that you know to be true the things that you believe to be actionable just because you think they're right are not worth leaning on because they give way it's not trustworthy. Your own thoughts are not trustworthy enough. Your own ideas and, and visions of what should take place are not trustworthy enough to hold you up. And so he says, don't lean on those things. Don't lean on your own understanding. The reason being that each of us look at life through a certain lens based on our experiences and the things that we've gone through. And so I, I, I've, all of us have been involved in conversations with people that think something is true, and you're looking at them going, you don't know what you're talking about, but they're looking through the lens of their life and the Lord is saying, it's not worth putting your weight on something of your own understanding. Lean on me. Lean on my word because I won't let you down and it will hold you up in that time. When you go back and you see verse 5 and and 6 together, it says, I want you to notice two phrases within this. In the first phrase in verse 5, Solomon says, trust the Lord with all your heart. And then in verse 6 he says, and in all your ways, all your heart and all your ways. And there's an interesting correlation between the, the aspect of what is being proclaimed here because when he's talking about all your heart, he's talking about your worship. Your worship. There is a nature that we have within us that every one of us is going to worship something or someone. It's... It's taking a step beyond just admiration, to, to desire. I was, uh, when, when Cindy and I were flying back from our vacation, uh, as I was sitting there, my wife and I were sitting uh, across the aisle as we were waiting for the plane with, with uh, the captain of the Olympic gymnastics team and her mother, and watching all the little kids coming over to her, asking for her autograph, and... And I thought it would be inappropriate for a 58-year-old man to start taking pictures of a teenage girl, so I just said, probably should have just let that go. But just just watching the interaction of all of this, and then as as just before the plane took off, I see this man come walking over with a UCLA hat, and he sits next to me and looked over, and it was Jimmy Kimmel, and he was sitting there doing his best just to stay uh, uh, away from everybody, and then, of course, he sits in first class where everybody is walking by going, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. And I begin to think of all of the people that could just hear the murmurs all over the plane. Oh, my goodness. And I, and I said, Lord, it doesn't matter to me that Jimmy Kimmel's on this plane. What matters to me is that your Holy Spirit is here because I'd like to get home in one piece. So, Father, help us to honor and admire the things of God more than just people. He says, honor me with your worship. So students, in this new school year, place all your worship on him. Make Jesus the center of your worship Monday through Saturday at all times. Start the school day by praising him and allow everything and anything that is nourishing to your soul to seep into your life so that you can start the day worshiping him. And then when he says that we are to trust him in all our ways, that speaks of our work. Not only should all of your worship be given to him, but all of your work should be under his direction. I wonder what would happen on your report cards if you started before you even did your homework by saying, Lord Jesus, let me honor you by the work ethic that I put into my work today. Let me honor you with the dedication by which I approach these things today so that my work and my worship work in communion together to honor you. I believe we would have a ton of honor students here as they dedicate themselves And teachers, let me tell you this. Would you please approach your job as if you are worshiping and working for the hand of the Lord in the way that you deal with your students? I'm married to a teacher. I don't let her out of the house before I've had a chance to pray for her every day because I know what the system is like and what takes place there. And we used to pray for our children that same way. And I'm going to ask us as a church in a few minutes John Ganan is going to come at the end of the service and lead us in prayer, but I want you as a church to say, let's take responsibility. We've got a great relationship with the school districts that we are associated with that's been worked on hard by our youth pastor and our children's pastor, and I want to see that build as we have influence in their lives, and that comes as a result of your prayer and your worship and your work. So we will live devoted to the Lord, and we will live dependent upon the Lord. And lastly, I will live directed by the Lord. In verse 6, it says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Have any of you ever asked God, what is your will? Any of you ever prayed that prayer? Lord, what just what's your will? What's your will? I've discovered that his will is far easier to discover than sometimes I have made it to be because he says, I will direct your path. One of the joys that my wife and I have is that we enjoy walking and holding hands and we've discovered that when we're walking and holding hands together it's not hard for us to have the same path there's an influence on each other when she sees a store I get pulled that way when I see fish jumping in the water she gets pulled this way but there's a communion that takes place There's a sense in this scripture when the Lord says that he will direct our paths. It's not that he is walking ahead of us yelling, hey, 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 follow me. It's this sense of communion with each other. Walking walking arm in arm with our spirit, it's it's easy for him to influence our steps when there's a side-by-side nature and he's saying, I'm walking with you in life. I'm directing your steps. I know the pathway. I can see in the dark. I know what's going to happen here. And in Psalm 119, 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. In other words, how do we connect the direction of the Lord for Him to direct our path? We do it because His Word is made available to us, and as we ingest His Word, as we eat His Word, as we devour it, as we think on it, as we sing about it, it becomes a part of the, the nature of our being. It leaches into our spiritual system so that it makes it very easy for Him to direct our path. If you're without the Word, you're going to have a hard time discovering the path that God wants to lead you on. And so I'm going to ask you students to place the priority of your life on God's Word so that He can lead you and challenge you and protect you and keep you and move you into the places that you need to go. And so I'm going to ask you to have these three goals during this new school year, that you'll be devoted to the Lord, that you'll be dependent upon the Lord, and that you will live directed by the Lord. Verse 7 and 8, it says, do not be wise in your own eyes. You know, I I was thinking about that particular verse, and and every one of us knows people that think they're really something, right? It's just the the way they carry themselves and their attitude. You look at them and they go, boy, they really think highly of themselves. And the Scripture tells us, don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, shun evil, and this will bring health to your body, nourishment to your bones. There's a health that comes to us both spiritually and physically because of the anxiousness and the anxiety that God removes from us when we put our trust in Him in every way. So how can we trust God so greatly that we would be devoted to Him, dependent and directed by Him? I was reading a book by um, Mark Batterson and in this book, he took a look at a a passage of Scripture in Isaiah 55, 9 and I want to kind of conclude with this verse because... He talks about God measuring the difference between how smart he is versus us in a mathematical term that will be an interesting uh, statement for you. But here it is. While we know that God's power and ways and thoughts are, are measureless, here's the way that he announces to us, at least if we're going to think about it, how we can do it. In Isaiah 55:9, 9, here's what he says. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. So, he gives us a mathematical equation based on the difference between earth and the heavens. And let me read to you what Mark Batterson did as he began to put this mathematical equation together. He said, the universe is so large that it requires an awfully long tape measure. In fact, the basic unit of measurement in a universe is a light year. Light travels at 186,000 feet per second. So here's what I want you to do. I want you all on the count of three to snap your fingers with me. One, two, three. In the snap of a finger, light would have traveled around our earth over six times. In the snap of your finger, that's how fast it would. So to to put that speed of light and the size of the universe into perspective, we know that the sun is 94.4 million miles away from the earth at its furthest distance from us in any given year driving 65 miles an hour, which none of you do, and I knew exactly how you were going to take that, and you never stopped, and you set the car, put it on cruise control, and it would take you 163 years to get to the sun. The light that warms your face on most mornings this week took eight minutes from the time it left the surface of the sun to get there. And so we are in a galaxy called the Milky Way and there are over 80 billion galaxies in the universe which equates just so that you'll know to about 10 galaxies per person so that if you ever think that you're going to get bored in heaven each of you will have 10 full galaxies to explore just in the first you know 7 or 8 million years just the first couple of days and so don't ever worry about running out of things to do in heaven so in one minute, light travels 11 million miles. In one day, light travels 160 billion miles. In one light year, light travels an unfathomable 5 trillion, 160 billion, 696 miles, and that is one light year, and that is the measurement that God begins to give us mathematically. So here's, here's what we know. Astrophysicists have determined, based on the comprehensive Uh, ability that we have today that to the edge of our known universe today it is 15.5 billion light years away so when the scripture says to us that as the heavens are higher than the earth when the Lord is trying to describe to us why he's he's um, willing to be trusted and devoted and depended upon and directed he's he says let me just give you a quick mathematical term my thoughts are 15.5 billion times higher than your thoughts. My ways are 15.5 billion light years higher than your ways. And so when you think you're out of ideas, I haven't even begun to start. When you think you're out of strength, I haven't even begun to work within you. When you think that you're at the edge of your testable limits, I want you to know my thoughts and my ways and my direction are 15.5 billion which is known today, light years over yours. And so in God's mathematical terms, he simply tells us it is virtually unimaginable how much more I can direct and protect and keep your lives than you can do it yourself. So today choose to be devoted, dependent, and directed by God. I'm going to ask that every student in this room, would you please stand with me? Every teacher, every homeschool mother, every bus driver, every administrator, if you come in contact with students at all during your day, I'm also going to ask that you would stand and that you would please come to the front if you would, please. John Ganan, would you come and join me, please? Do we have a microphone that we can give John? John Ganan is a right over to the middle. Take off the cloak of invisibility. John Ganan is a home missionary that we support who is our Youth Alive campus director. He works as a liaison between the churches and our public schools. We love and support he and his wife a great deal. Most of you have known them for a long time. Some of you all their lives. We are exceptionally proud of him. He works all over this state opening doors so that church can have an influence in our society in a way that God directs I'm going to ask that you would stand with me and I've asked John to be with us today because I want him to pray a prayer protection and blessing over these students and teachers that this year could be a year where God moves mightily because we live under his direction pastor John
1: let's pray oh God God, when you say, I am with you, Lord, that promise in Scripture echoed many times over. God, you meant it, Lord. And today where the people of God go, the presence of the Lord follows. And so in this room, we have so many of us who touch the campus, Lord. We know, God, that our communities are wrapped around the school. And God, we know that the people you've put in places are your ambassadors. And we know that standing here today, God, you have sent students and people and others who support students, God, in a place that you've called. Wherever you've put them, you've called them to be. And God, where you've put them, you've promised to be with them. And you've promised to direct them. And not as a direction from far away, but a direction from right there where they are. And so, God, we call on you as they've already been given the priority of proximity to where they are of who you are where they are God that they've been given this priority God we ask that you would bless them that means be with them that means undergird their efforts, Lord, that you would support their efforts right where they are, Lord, that you would lead them, guide them, direct them, support them. And Lord, would you help us all support those who are in the place that God has called by praying and believing. Lord, we know that you are the one who opens doors. And God, as we have a presence, God, you will act. And God, I pray for the protection of around these individuals today. Lord, we ask for supernatural protection God, of your ambassadors, as we are in our communities, Lord, we call on you because you are the one who's promised to be with us and promised to protect us. God promised to lead us, promised to guide us wherever we go. Lord, we pray, Lord Jesus, for the students as they return to school, that they would see the priority of the gospel in their life, and Lord, that they would be able to stand strong knowing that their church is here, be right behind them and with them. They have the power of the Holy Spirit. They have the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray a prayer of protection. We pray a prayer of encouragement. And Lord, we know that you will produce a positive platform for the gospel through these very souls here in front of us. Lord, that their love of the community, God, the community priority is always evangelism. And God, here you have, you have placed people to love, and love is our priority because love produces a platform for the gospel. Lord, we trust you in this. We believe in you. We trust and walk forward in you in all our ways. We will acknowledge you, Lord Jesus, your presence in our life. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I'm going to ask you in just a moment to step out and take a look at the table that John and Katie have out there and You have cards for people to take so they can pray for you. I want you to keep this man in prayer because God uses him as a key to unlock doors. I also want you regularly to come up to those who are students and our teachers and work with our children. Put an arm around them and tell them you're praying for them and encourage them. We live in a dark world where light, the light of Christ, is so distinct compared to the darkness of our world. May they shine as bright lights devoted to God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day. There are also stickers if you want to put a sticker in your window that you're going to pray for a specific school. Those are available in the back as well. God bless you.